0: As I said before, happy Valentine's Day. I uh, hope you're doing well. And ladies, as you, some of you who um, weren't here right at the beginning, uh, I want to encourage you to take a carnation. And and men, husbands, boyfriends, you know, if you're a fiance and you're a guy and you need to get flowers, we're we're here to help, okay? So there's some flowers back there. You can go and get a carnation. Ladies, will that help or not? It may hurt. I I don't know. You're you're on your own. Uh, Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1st. Corinthians chapter 13, if you don't, the words will be on the screens later, Uh, but 1 Corinthians 13, we're continuing in um, kind of week uh, week two of our series called Love Handles, you gotta love that, that's awesome, getting a grip on what God's word says about this thing called love and the idea of love. And uh, we began last week with this concept that culture tells us uh, that love is, is really something that disconnects. With what God's word says uh, about love. Do, do you guys remember these? Remember these, the sweethearts? You guys you get these a lot? I don't know about in your family, but in our family, we have this bowl that has been filled with Christmas chocolate and candy, and we just got rid of it, and the kids came home with a whole bunch of stuff on Friday, and mom and dad will be eating them. So these are uh, sweethearts. These things have been around, I don't know if you've heard the story, since eighteen, the late 1800s, 1847. Um, this is; uh, These are made uh, by a company that's still in existence today that started all the way back then. It was Oliver Chase, who was a pharmacist, and Oliver Chase began to kind of delve into the uh, throat lozenge world, which was like an up-and-coming business back in the mid-1800s. And uh, as he did, he created uh, the Necco wafer. You guys know what the Necco wafer is? <laughs> it's like the nastiest thing you've ever tasted in your life, Right. <laughs> Like, that's not candy. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm getting booed down here in the front row. Sorry, guys. Okay, they're all right. But they changed the formula a few years ago, and it wasn't good. So much so that they went back to the old formula. Kind of like Coca-Cola. So anyway, uh, but... What happened was uh, Oliver created these throat lozenges that ended up becoming what we still know as of today as those Necco wafers that that we buy and that my grandmother had in her purse every time I saw her. Every single time she pulled out a Necco wafer or, you know, um, some some other kind of thing. And so Oliver Chase uh, developed that really as a cough drop uh, back in the mid-1840s. And uh, his, his brother uh, really wanted to get in on this business, and so he helped him out. And this was uh, during the, you know, some of the American Industrial Revolution. And then, so they found out a way to make these easier than they had before, which was by hand. And uh, so they began making these and, and, and that sort of thing. And so um, during the Civil War era, uh, his brother began to imprint on those Necco Wafers uh, messages. And, and they, were, they were love messages. And, and that's where this whole idea of the conversation heart or the sweetheart started. It wasn't until 1902 that they made them into these small little hearts that have messages on them. And so um, they have done an amazing job over the years. Here's the deal. This company, NECO, begins um, making these little hearts that have these little messages uh, printed on them. Oh, here's one, marry me. Oh, isn't that sweet? Like if you have to resort to a heart, (laughs) there's like some other things that you got problems with. But anyway, uh, so they um, they really have done a great job over the years. But they begin the day after Valentine's every year to begin making these, and they their goal is is to make one for every person in the world, which is seven billion. They make 100,000 pounds of these little hearts. Be mine. First kiss. There it is. I was looking for that one in the first service. First kiss, marry me. Ooh la la. Wow. I mean, that's sad, isn't it? Ooh la la. Uh, this one is, says, um, I'm blue, true blue but it's yellow, I don't quite understand that, okay. Cutie pie, oh, isn't that cool? isn't that sweet, okay. And then uh, hug me, all right. So uh, how many of you guys missed getting your girl a, a Valentine's present? Anybody of you miss getting your lady, you know, your wife? Here, Brad, you're getting the elbow, man. You need one of those, okay, there you go, all right. Anybody else, you guys miss it? All right, there we go, okay, guys, there we go. Sorry, I'm not gonna try to throw them beyond the first row. Hey, um, those messages really, over the years, have changed. And in fact, I think if you were to look Deep enough into here, you'd see some LOL and some text message stuff because they've begun to do that. They've begun to take the uh, SMS and text messages and apply them to the sweethearts. But this is a, it's a very interesting company uh, that really has just those two products. And they, they were uh, started in Boston, uh, and they've existed for all of these years. And, and they talk about on their website, they talk about the fact that over time, the words change because let's face it, culture really determines love doesn't it in our world culture determines like what love is all about and the words and the expressions and uh, how we communicate love to a significant other but god's word really has The origin and has the trademark as we talked about last week. It really has the corner on the market of love. In fact, God's love is so incredibly different. And so over the years, these have changed, but God's word, God's love, never changes. I want to read to you the first uh, words that were printed on some of those Necco wafers. Get this; these are the first two things that were printed on the Necco wafers. Um, Now, remember, they were a little bit larger than the hearts. Okay, so this is what was printed. Um, married in white, you have chosen right. That is so cheesy, isn't it? That is so ridiculous. And this is even worse. How long? This is the 1800s, right? How long shall I have to wait? Please be considerate. Ah, oh, that is so incredibly cheesy. Uh, the world really determines uh, what love is. Um, but if you're a Christ follower in here, um, it shouldn't be that way. And so we began this series uh, last week called Love Handles, and we talked about the four different Greek words for love because when the Bible was written, when the New Testament of the Bible was written back in the first century, um, there were four distinct words, and each of them had a different meaning for love. And my hope and my prayer is, is that last week you left thinking how maybe you've got it wrong, um, how maybe we've got some really views of love that really do not... Uh, connect with God's view of love. And my hope is is that through the study of some of those words, you, you would understand that it's really not just romantic love. That's eros. That's a Greek word for romantic love. It's not just brotherly love. Phileo, which is a Greek word for brotherly love or lady sisterly love. Um, and then we talked about storge, which is this duty, you know, uh, that you have um, to your kids or, or to your wife. Brent and Lori just dedicated little Isla this morning. And uh, they, they, have, they have a duty, a loyalty um, to their little girl, to their child, uh, just like many of you do. But all of those types of love and all the different types of love that are fed to us through our culture and in our culture and in society and through our friendships and that sort of thing with others... All of those views that we have on what we believe love is will crumble if the foundation isn't what we talk about today, and that is agape love. It's the God kind of love, the unconditional, completely selfless type of love that we should have for each other and for other people, Uh, not because we can do it on our own, not because we're called to do it on our own, but because Jesus showed that kind of love on the cross to us. God showed that kind of love by giving his only son to die on the cross for our sins. And he commanded it. And his command on this is in 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to remind you that uh, as you're reading this and as we're studying it, uh, it's interesting because the word agape is the word that's used every single time in First Corinthians 13 talking about love. It's what we should build our love on. It's what we should build uh, the friendship that we have with other people on. We've got to look to God's Word, not to society, not to a piece of candy, not to entertainment, not to entertainers, but it's something that we should look to God's Word to set the stage and to build upon. And I want to begin really uh, today um, kind of giving a foundation for why there are two things that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13 that is so important. And so I want to give you three facts, and then we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. The facts are really going to be foundational for today's message. Because there's two things in First Corinthians 13 that says that love is. And I think it's very interesting that there's, of all the descriptions, there's only two to describe what love is. First and foremost, let's talk about these facts. First of all, fact number one is this. God's act of redemption for our sin is the backdrop for agape love. God's act of redemption for our sin really is the backdrop or maybe sets the stage for agape love. I want you to think about, for a moment, the fact that um, God sent Jesus, the Bible tells us, he sent Jesus into this world. We celebrate that at Christmas. Uh, He lived for 33 years, three years of ministry in the last three years of his life, and then he died a brutal, agonizing death on the cross to take the sins of the world so that if you and I put our faith in him, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when we die, we get to heaven. And so we celebrate his birth, and we celebrate his death and his resurrection from the grave uh, on Christmas and Easter, respectively. But I want you to know this. This is amazing, and this is a fact some of you may know, some of you may not know, but this just really weighed heavy on me in studying and preparing for this. The word agape is where we get an English word, and it's not love. It's Agony. It's agony. Isn't that amazing? We get our English word from the word agape because agape, God's kind of love, required agony on his part. Am I right? I don't know about you, but when I read the gospel accounts of Jesus um, being beaten and, and uh, having the uh, crown of thorns put on his on his brow and then um, his nails and his hands um, hammered to that cross, murdered there on the cross. It, it was an agonizing death. It was excruciating. But he did it. Why? Because he loved us, because he loves humanity. But we have to come to the conclusion or the realization or the stark, like, you know, uh, c- kind of conclusion that um, it's my sin and it's your sin, it's the sin of humanity that really was. The reason that Jesus had to go to the cross in the first place. Our sin is the reason that Jesus had to suffer and die. And Romans talks about this. This is Paul's um, Paul's message to the church at Rome. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians, which is Paul's message to the church in Corinth. This is Paul's message to the church in Rome. Take a look at what he says in Romans 3, 21 through 25. He says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest. Apart from the law, you see everything up until that point, everything uh, that was righteous was living according to a a list of rules and regulations. It was all these had-to-do checklist. You know, you had to be this way. You had to perform like this. And it says here that that God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, The righteousness of God through, what's that next word? Faith in Jesus Christ for all who, what's that next word? Believe, okay. For there is no distinction. For all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we get our word for sin from that verse, that uh, uh, Romans 3.23. And it, it's the, um, the word usage that we would have used, that Paul would have used, the language he would have used, would have given the, the, the readers the picture of an archer where he brings back his uh, bow and he's got his arrow in his hand and he lets it go and it misses the mark, it misses the target. So it's missing the mark of God, that's what sin is. And it says, for we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, verse 24, are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Don't you love that word? Like when you hear uh, someone say that word as a pastor, don't judge them, okay? It's in the Bible, all right? So it really is a word that um, communicates a deeper level of understanding of the idea of redemption. That Jesus gave his life and God took our sins away. That he gave his life for our sins. And what that means, I want you to hear this, is there's nothing that you can do to ever achieve righteousness. It's all about Jesus, like we just sang. It's all about him. And so that's what he's talking about there, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. And so it's our sins that really put Jesus on that cross cross, and caused the agony that he suffered for us. And I got to tell you, when I really sit and dwell and think about that and think about the pain and the suffering he went through... um, I'm so incredibly thankful because uh, I have a lot of sin in my life, even after I've been saved. And I know you probably do too. But God loved me so much and he loved you so much that he died despite our sin. He died despite our sin. Romans 5.8 says this, look at this. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of you are like, this is a great Valentine's message. This is an Easter message. This isn't Valentine's. You know what? It absolutely is. Because this is the backdrop of how we should love each other. God set the stage by sending his son to the cross to be murdered for us. And God chose, he chose to love us despite the pain that we cause him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? That's the beauty of who God is and how much he loves you demonstrates the passion that he had for all of humanity. That is love. That is agape, completely selfless, completely unconditional, not based on anything that we do or we don't do. Thank God he's a God of grace. I am so eternally thankful for that. And so we have to realize it, just in fact number one, just kind of summarizing this whole idea, is, is that God's act of redemption, God's act of redemption for our sin is the backdrop of agape love. But the second thing that we've got to realize, the second fact is, is this, sin and its uh, results make it difficult for other people to love us and difficult for us to love other people. <laughs> um, Okay, we're, we're, I'm going to show you that we're all on the same page, okay? Now, you're not allowed to point or do the elbow thing at this moment, okay? Right? All right? But I'm going to have you raise your hand. How many of you have someone in your life who's difficult to love? No two hands up. One hand, okay? How many of you? Okay, it doesn't have to be a spouse, okay? So you're, if you're sitting, keep them up, keep them up. Be bold. Be courageous, okay? I, you know, we have people in our lives that are difficult to love. Cynthia's somewhere, and she's holding up her hand, and she's waving it. And pointing at me, thank you, dear, I love you so much. We celebrated our 20, you can put your hands down, we celebrated our 24th uh, Valentine's on Friday night. So, yes, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, 24. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 20 uh, as married, so anyway. Anyway, uh, sin and its results make it difficult for other people to love us and difficult for us to love others. Other people. The reason that you and I struggle with this whole idea of love, the reason that we have a wrong view of it, the reason that we miss it so often is because of sin. It just is what it is. If it weren't for sin, I'd be easy to love you'd be easy to love. The people that you have difficulty with would be easy to love. In fact, without sin, <laughs> love wouldn't be love in a lot of ways. Man, sin and its results make it difficult for us to be loved and for us to love others. In fact, number 3 just kind of dovetails right out of that and that is this. Sin challenges our ability to extend agape love. Man, when God did what he did by sending his son on the cross and having that be the backdrop of how we should love, he set a high standard, one that we cannot meet on our own, right? We can't do that. We're not God. We're not divine. We're not perfect. It's, It's impossible for us to agape other people, yet right here in God's word, inspired by his Holy Spirit, Paul, the man that wrote most of the New Testament, says that we ought to agape each other. So how in the world should we do that? Well, I think we have to realize the second part of that statement. Even though that sin challenges our ability to love other people, it does provide for us a great, a great environment and opportunity to give and receive agape love. You see, sin gives us the opportunity to give and receive agape love. That person in your life that may be difficult to love, um, that person that may be a challenge or those people that may be a challenge for you to love, sin is the reason that you can practice God's kind of love. Look, sin began all the way back at the beginning of the Bible, all the way back in the first book in Genesis, um, and, and uh, Adam and Eve were there in the garden, and, and you know, they, they violated the one rule. It's kind of like that, that phrase that we hear often today, you had one job to do, one job. They had one rule to keep, one rule to keep, and they broke it, and they sinned, and so sin entered all of humanity. Listen, if that had not happened, and here we were in 2016, if we still lived in the Garden of Eden, if this was a perfect environment... How hard would it be to love that difficult person in your life? They wouldn't be difficult in the first place. Are you with me? That's the whole point, is is that with the backdrop of this kind of love that God demonstrated with Jesus, now he instructs us to do everything that we can to extend that same kind of love. And that is so incredibly easy, isn't it? (laughs) No, it's not easy at all. You see, our, our world really, in, in a lot of ways, even though it's not perfect, it's really a perfect place for you and I um, to give and extend and receive and give that love. And I think that we can learn this kind of love by making small steps. And I'm I'm going to give you three steps today, but within that, you're going to find what Love really is from this passage. If you had to boil it down to just two things, you're going to see it right here. Um, first and foremost, I think the first step that we've got to take is we, we've got to really realize or accept that anyone who's the subject of, of our love is flawed. I had some guy, Amen, during the message in the first service on that. He was like, Yeah. I'm like, All right, that's great. So, um, but. We have to realize that whoever we intend to love, whether it's a neighbor across the street that drives you crazy, uh, or whether it's students, somebody, you know, that's in your uh, class, that's in your grade, that just is the one that always um, is the one that, like, is causing you issues or, or maybe even bullying you, um, or if it's a spouse that, um, you know, has um, done some things that have really, really put a huge, huge dent in your relationship um, we have to accept that anyone who's a subject of our love is flawed and, and we have to do what god did with us and that is we move from a place of loving them because of something to a place of we we love them in spite of something because it's their sin that makes them hard to love in the first place so listen I, part of the reason i know this is i'm 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 a mess i'm a hot mess cynthia's right over here my kids are back there you can ask them i'm not easy to love I'm not easy to love. And my kids and my wife have to love me more in spite of me than because of me. Because I have sin just like you. And by the way, sometimes I have to do the same thing with them. Because God calls us to that kind of love. The second step is understand that agony is a part of Agape. Agony is a part of agape. Um, I hate conflict, y'all. Look, I cannot stand conflict. I, I can't stand to disappoint you or, or my family or anyone else that I love. My, my dad, my, you know, my um, mom uh, before she passed away. Um, I, I can't stand to disappoint people. So that means I don't like conflict. I don't like problems in relationships. <laughs> kind of ironic, isn't it? Because of sin, there are going to be problems in every relationship. We've got to understand that there is a part of agony that is just part of of love. It's a part of agape love. And and the last step is this. um, Play your part in creating an environment for the truth to prevail. Play your part in creating an environment for the truth to prevail. I, I think it's interesting here. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, take a look at this. Uh, I'm just going to read verses 4 through 6. I I want you to pick up on this because as I approached this um, several months ago as we were kind of heading into this, I took all of these descriptions and I separated them into love is or love does or love is not or love does not. We're going to get to the nots next week. That's going to be fun. Do not miss next week, okay? You'll communicate a lot to the person that you're like... You know, intending to love. If you're not here next week, for no good reason. Okay, there you go. I just put that out there. I just said that. Okay, look at this. Verse, verse four here. Love is patient. You can say it out loud. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking or insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Doggone it. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but it rejoices with the truth. Okay, love is two things, patient and kind. Patient and kind. And it leads to that last thing, and that is that it can rejoice with the truth. You see, for agape, to reign, um, it has to have an environment of patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. I mean, that's all that love is. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, that's all he says love is. And that it leads to an environment that love can rejoice with the truth. So, all we have to do is be patient. And be kind, right? Let me pray. We can go home. Y'all can have a good Valentine's. That's it. Hey, just be patient and kind. Have fun. Because that's easy. It's so easy. It's just not. It's just not. I fail every day at patient and kind. Every single day. Every day. Because I'm flawed. And because you all are flawed, and those around us are flawed. And I bet you fail every day at patience and kindness and you know what i don't want you to allow that to lead you to a place of guilt like i've allowed it to sometimes in my life um i want this whole idea that love can be agonizing to lead you to a place where you rely more and more and more on the spirit of god to help you with this to help you do this because here's the deal um we have to practice patience even when patience is not deserved, right? <laughs> like, you weren't patient with me. I'm not going to be patient with you. Done that. Been there. Done that. I got the t shirt. All right, I do. <laughs> um, but we have to extend kindness in the face of hatred as well. But we often say, I'm going to hate you because you hate me. Again, been there. I've done that. I got the t shirt. But the whole point is is that we pursue truth regardless of the outcome. For truth to prevail in the relationship that you right now are worried about and concerned about and you're agonizing over, for the truth to prevail, um, patience and kindness have to be demonstrated. And here's the thing. Um, If we wait for the other person or the other people in our lives to demonstrate patience and kindness... First, that's not love. That's not love. And as much as I want to, as much as I want to say, you know what? I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to, I'm going to hold my, my guns on this. We'll talk about that next week and the selfless part. Patience and kindness in every situation and in every relationship set the stage for truth to reign. Listen, we have to be proactive. If you and I are proactive about this, about patience and kindness, in every relationship that we have, truth will begin to reign. (sighs) A lot easier said than done, isn't it? It's a lot easier said than done. We have to initiate patience and kindness and truth. We can't wait for the other person. If we wait for the other person to do it, it's the opposite of agape. Agape means that you and I are the ones that are selflessly saying, I'm going to be patient and kind and truthful. And so that's your action item today. Um, here's what I want you to do this week. Um, I'm going to challenge you to do this. Um, extend or identify one person. Just one person. Some of you are like, I got a list. <laughs> uh, a one person in your daily life that you can show patience and express kindness and speak the truth in love. One person. Some of you are like, Todd, I already knew that coming in today. It's already written down here. I wrote it down a week ago. Right here. Here's the person's name. Right here. I know who that is, okay? Um, I want to encourage you to not even have that kind of attitude about it. Like, there's a difficult person, so I'm going, to make, I'm going to show them, and I'm going to show patience and kindness. That's not agape. It is you selflessly like God did for you, showing patience and kindness, and speaking the truth in love, regardless of whether they're worthy of it or deserving of it, or accept it. Take the first step to practice agape love as you interact with them this week. You know, I think about this, and um, someone told me a long time ago in the middle of a season of conflict, you have a great opportunity in the middle of this conflict to do some great damage to the other person, Or to truly help the other person. And as we close, I want you to think about that. And dwell on that. At some point in time, someone extended grace to you, right? Someone extended kindness when you weren't deserving of it. Someone was patient with you when you weren't deserving of it. God was for you. And he was for me. When he sent Jesus on the cross. And died and was murdered for our sins. Even though we didn't deserve it. And even though we missed the mark all the time but he did it for you. I'm going to ask you to keep that in mind this week as you extend patience and kindness and speak the truth in love with the person that God brings to your mind. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you so much for your word, and um, God, I thank you so much for your um, exceptional, outstanding, sometimes inconceivable love that you showed us by sending Jesus, your only son, to the cross to die for us. And God, I thank you that, um, that you desire and expect and even, even command us um, to live in, in light of that. Because God, you want what's best. And God, this world would be such a different place in terms of our understanding of the word love if we would really seriously, if all of us would follow that. We, we would change it. We'd turn the world upside down. God, as hard as that is to do, as hard as that may be for those in this room who this week are going to extend kindness and patience and speaking the truth and love to uh, someone in their life or some people in their life, whether it's a mom or dad or a brother or sister or spouse, um, God, I pray that you would give them the strength to do that because, God, on our own, we cannot, without your help, we're unkind, and we're impatient, and we're deceptive. But God, with your help, kindness and patience and truth can prevail, and it can reign. God, I pray that you would help us just to allow that just to just simmer in our lives and just, just really take over our lives. First Corinthians 13, not what the world says about love. Help us to walk forward in patience and kindness and truth. God, as we sit here over the next few moments and reflect on that person or those people um, that we need to extend kindness to, God, as we hear the words to this great love song, God, I pray that we would be prompted to walk in the light of the love that you showed us with the people in our lives. God, may we extend agape love to others like you did to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.